Hoping I can get a kiss from Senorita Dido, I'm Jasmine. And wishing someone would just give this guy a light, I'm Mel's. Welcome to Damn Fine TV's Twin Peaks Rewatch. This week we're covering The Return Part 8, sometimes known as Got a Light, or as we're calling it, a goddamn televisual masterpiece. Listeners, find a penny, pick it up. All day long, you'll drink full and descend. Uh, let's rock. This episode first aired on June 25th, 2017. It was written by Bart Frost and David Lynch and directed by David Lynch. Yeah, and he directed the shit out of this, didn't he? Uh, boy, did he. Uh, yeah. Wow. I mean, there's Ooh. a reason we called it a goddamn televisual masterpiece. I mean, you will not see this anywhere else, people. You will not. I remember listening to the podcast, Diane, when this episode first came out, and one of the hosts was laughing because, uh, you know that thing that comes up when you're streaming something and it'll say, would you like to watch more titles like Twin Peaks, right? And that came up after part eight, and I remember the host saying, is there anything like this? Is there possibly a title you could suggest that would be anything like this? I don't think so. Yeah. I would be curious to know what would I know. be suggested. Yeah. I always wished he'd elaborated on what actually came up, but yeah. Oh, gosh. I remember a couple of years back, Tyler and I got a new television, and the first thing we did once it was all set up was queue up part eight, because that felt like the perfect first thing to watch, right? So... That was that was really nice. And something I love about this episode that I'm really grateful for is that I have so much fun theorizing with you and speculating and trying to put pieces together and drawing the dots from A to B to C and all of that kind of stuff. But this episode always reminds me like none of that really matters. Like the best part of Twin Peaks is that it is the way it makes you feel is the way it kind of helps you ground yourself in the present moment and just be with whatever is coming at you on that visual level. And I always kind of, I mean, it's always there in the back of my mind, but then I watch an episode like this and I'm like, oh yeah, right. Who cares about any of this other stuff? I love the way that I feel while I'm watching this smoke billow towards me. This is one of my all-time favorite Twin Peaks episodes. It's just beautiful. And just like you said, it's like, such little dialogue and everything in this episode, but it's like the way it makes you feel, you mm-hmm. know, just watching it, you know, and, and yeah, it is pretty just incredible. like watching art, it's like very beautiful, chaotic art. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> chaotic is right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we could say right here that we did watch this episode with our patrons, which was a whole lot of fun. And we had kind of a post-episode chat where a lot of really interesting and cool things came up. So we'll have a video of that up on our Patreon that people can check out as well. So lots of of content for part eight, basically. Uh, No damn fine facts this week. Actually, I've got one. This episode fucking rules. We can move on. Ah, Canon. (laughs) 
Well, Mr. C and Ray are on the move when trouble befalls them both off the beaten path. Listen, I mean, you could just cut the tension with a knife between him and Ray. And it's just so um, interesting because he obviously, you find out, I mean, Ray's got something that he wants and Ray hasn't memorized, but it's just interesting that there's so much tension there and you can just tell that Mr. C is like done Mm -hmm. with him, but he needs him for something. And so that he even like, you know, bounced Ray out or busted Ray out of the prison as well, you know? So, oh, so tenuous. And it's, I mean, the thing that really amps all that up too, it's not just like what's happening between the two characters, but the further they drive down this road that's off the highway, like Uh all they can see is what's directly in front of them. It's so ominous and so unsettling. It was like reminiscent to me of if you've ever driven to like a cottage or like a farmhouse, but you're kind of arriving there super late at night and it's always like a dirt road and it's in the back country. So it's, you don't have street lights and shit, right? It's really just your headlights. And then I was like, yeah, but it's not as quaint and or cozy as like going to a cottage. So it's the slasher vibes. It's like you're arriving at oh, the cabin, yeah. the summer cabin a little too late and you don't know who's behind you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I just have to say this. It's Dateline 101, people. 101. If you ever, if someone says you'll pull off right here, mm-hmm. dude, you need to know something is going on. Like, I guess, like, the events that transpire after this, Ray, I mean, yeah, sure, maybe he knew, maybe it was, like, whatever. But I just was like, this is being kidnapped one-on-one, people. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, Do not go down this isolated road at night. <laughs> Don't do it. But um, listen, Cooper's been, or Mr. C's been set up. He's got blanks, baby. And who? Tricked you. And tricked you, motherfucker. And I know the first time I watched this, I think my soul left my body because I was so, what the fuck right. just happened? Yeah. I mean, I just remember panic setting in on me when this happened and I still felt that way even though I you know knew what was coming this time around but it's so jarring because even when you're re-watching you're like Mr. C is always in control one step ahead got the upper hand and somehow he gets tricked by fucking Ray of all people yeah <laughs> I mean I think I think him being tricked by Ray makes more sense later once we see who Ray calls and we see that Ray has yes. allies. But in that moment, you're like, wait a second, Mr. C is in control. What the fuck is going on? So in a weird way, it feels unsettling, even though Mr. C is the clear villain to see the role reversal is always like really strange. Absolutely. Something I noticed for the very first time, and I don't know if I'm the last person, but Cooper, I'm sorry, no, Mr. C is shot in the exact spot, like pretty much, right, that Cooper was shot and stabbed. I never picked up on it. I mean, it might not be exact, exact, but it's stomach. It's lower stomach. Wow. Right? (laughs) I thought about that today during my watch and was like, okay, so it's all a fucking dream. All right. (laughs) Okay. Oh, man. (laughs) But yeah, so that's interesting to think about. What's way more interesting, though, is whatever these woodsmen come and do with Mr. C's body. What I noticed, and I don't think I had paid much attention the first time around, or I didn't give it a lot of thought because I was just too absorbed in everything that was happening. 
they're so transparent looking at first and then they get more I think a little more and more pronounced so we've talked in the past about obviously like when we saw the woodsman in the jail cell he was full or like a a full formed he wasn't transparent he might have disappeared or poofed away then you had the one in the morgue so to see them in this particular instance I know Ray could see them, but I was like, are we looking at it through Ray's eyes? Like, are they trans? Mm. Like, is he tapped into the evil enough? Whereas maybe the others weren't to where he can see like a transparent vision of them, but like they're really whole or something. It's just, that's just something I noticed that was just kind of interesting to me because like I said, every other time we've seen them, they've been, Um, Well, they've been like fully formed, but it doesn't seem like anybody can see them. Or at least, I mean, we've really only had Lieutenant Knox with the ability to maybe interact with one of these figures. But we assumed like we decided that she probably couldn't actually see them. But based on Ray's reaction, I feel like he does see them. And so, yeah, there's got to be something different about him or these spirits are like, fuck it, we got to save this guy. It does not matter who sees us in this moment. Like, we have a job to do. Forget yeah. the invisibility cloaks tonight, guys. Like, <laughs> this is this is serious business. Uh, because he definitely sees the Bob Orb as well. Yeah. yeah. There's no way that he is not, like, the just the, the change in his reaction when he looks that way as the Bob Orb is coming out. Like, yeah, he sees something. Absolutely. That oh, part always makes so me good. laugh too when they're because the the woodsmen they're doing like this ritual thing with the blood and the dirt and stuff. And I always think of it like they're getting Mr. C ready for the ball. Like, oh, and then they hold his head up and they're like, Don't you think he looks pretty? <laughs> <laughs> well, also, it's funny you bring that up because on one hand, it's like they are <laughs> Like checking the pulse, like when you right. check the pulse of yeah. some, but they're not actually doing that. So I'm like, is this their weird way of being like, all right, we've got all the mud and the the everything in place. You know, we've rubbed all this blood all over his face. We've done it. Let's lift him up and see if like the blood gets to flow in again, like to his head or something. It's so <laughs> you gotta weird. elevate him, elevate yeah. him. <laughs> Rice, rest, ice, something, elevation. There you go. Yeah, I mean. The only other way I've ever read it is that they were like showing the Bob orb, the face of Mr. C, that they oh. were like trying to like reconnect them visually or something. I don't know. Okay. Well, that's interesting though. I, I mean, honestly, like first time around, I just thought that was the, I, I just thought that would be the end of Mr. C and Bob. Right. Either Ray or, or would have inhabited one of the woodsmen, which I don't know how all that works either. Magic. <laughs> you know? Yes. Like. Well, and speaking of magic, that was another great conversation that we had with the patrons about just what the hell the woodsmen are doing and how, you know, it's kind of like a dark ritual. And I I don't want to go into it too much because I think it's actually worth checking out the video to see the conversation. There was a lot of ideas that didn't come from us, but came from patrons. So but just the idea of that being a very darkly magical ritual. Um, and then we did kind of touch on a little bit. I mean, Ray splits and he calls Philip and he, I guess we forgot to mention though, at first that Cooper or I keep, it's because it's because Ray Ray calls him Cooper Cooper. and that got in my head. Yes. Me too. 
Uh, it's because Mr. C was like, we're going to go to the farm or mm-hmm. whatever. So yep. I'm assuming this is where Ray is going to head on, on to the farm because I do not think the farm is off this beaten path that they took. But right. he does let Philip know that something weird and funky went down. Not sure he's dead <laughs> or not, but he'll know where I'm at, which yes. I thought to myself, just don't go there, Ray. Like, I, know. I mean... I mean, it feels like probably it's a setup or like he maybe has help at this farm. So it's like a safer place for him to go to or something. But yeah, the line that he says is, but uh, he's found some kind of help. And to me, I thought it was such a funny delivery of the line, the way that the actors was like, uh, some kind of help. Like, I don't really know what I'm saying to you, but yeah. (laughs) And by Uh, Philip, I think we're safe to assume Philip Jeffries. Yeah, yeah. Cue a riveting performance by the Ninch Nails, where we are all blessed with the musical genius that is Trent Reznor and Atticus Rose. And to be quite frank, this man could fuck me like an animal. <laughs> Mouse. This is no this secret. This is a family show. <laughs> Sorry. Viewer discretion is advised. Yeah. It's not. I've made that, I think I've made that joke too many times. I'm going to retire uh, it today. Oh, I don't think so, because I, I feel like I just heard it for the first time. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, and this is something I love about the artistic choice. of I'm d- I, And I, I know that the sound design and everything was done by David Lynch, so I think I can be fairly confident in saying that he goes for Nine Inch Nails to perform at this moment and everything. I love the fact that it is Nine Inch Nails with their very distinct sound, because, I mean, let's be real. When they came out in the back in the day, people were like, what the fuck are we listening to? Right. And Attica Rose and Trent Reznor have scored so many fantastic shows. Watchmen. I mean, they they are a musical genius. So I don't I, I think it was a just a perfect play on David Lynch to have this style of music, the way that his voice is. And then for the ominous tone of this song, the lyrics to this song to really highlight what we just saw and just elevate and amplify everything that we just saw with Mr. C. This is really unlike any other performance we've seen so far at the Roadhouse. Usually it's like, it's, it's melodic, like very yes. um, comforting and, and that type of music and kind of it's sets synthy, a, It's poppy. Right. It's, and yeah. now you have this just hardcore, like grunge, mm-hmm. like, rock you know and it's just dark and oh i could go on forever and ever but anytime i watch it especially my first time i was like that's it i'm done (laughs) like as in like you can mark me down as i will never not stand this show this episode but it is my favorite song on the return soundtrack okay there (laughs) i mean it's not it's not my style, but I love it in this episode because of yeah. all of those things you just said. It fits so perfectly and I can't help but be into it during an episode like this. So they're announced this this act is announced and they're given the title of the Nine Inch Nails. No other act yeah. has been announced so far at the Roadhouse. They have I mean, it's not a completely different name. It just has the word the but it's still a different name. We've talked about this kind of liminality that the Roadhouse has, and it just makes me question, where is this happening? Is this happening in a different reality? Is it happening in a different 
time space thing. Like what, what does that mean? Because we've had enough acts at the roadhouse now in the return that are all playing out in a similar way. This one is so different in an episode that's so different. So what does that mean overall? And how can we apply that to everything else that we see as well? Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, And then like rolls after church, Mr. C is risen. I mean, like (laughs) the man pops up, like nothing happened to him, right? Like the Pillsbury biscuits straight out the oven. That's right. I equate performance in some weird way, like beckoning or this weird storm that's like happening, Mm. like maybe while Mr. C is unconscious. And then as soon as it cuts, he, uh, he awakens. So it's like his anthem in some way, you know? The Nine Inch Nails are part of the ritual. Yeah, I believe it 100%. Yeah. I do. Well, let's take a trip back to July 16th, 1945 in White Sands, New Mexico at 529 a.m. MWT when an atomic bomb explodes. Now, I have a question. What is MWT? Okay, I did Google this. Thank you. I know MT. Like, I, I, like mm-hmm. I know... MT who? <laughs> oh, not MT wins. <laughs> ah! Apparently, it just stands for Mountain Wartime. Ah, okay. okay. And it's no longer in use. Oh, okay. But it was in use at that time. But so now it would just be, I think because when I was looking up a conversion to what time it would be in Twin Peaks, it was just like I just did MST to PST. Okay. So, and it would be 429, so almost 430 in Twin Peaks. Wow. We can time zone here. We might not Yes, We can time zone, y'all. but we can time zone. That's part of being an international podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah, and this, I'm telling you this whole sequence of uh, the the music, which is like the Hiroshima mm. yeah. um Yeah, Serenity for the Victims of Hiroshima. I mean, it's just fucking, fucking beautiful. It's haunting. I don't know why. Again, like, I don't know. Maybe it's the same thing when we watched part six and the hit and run hit me much differently. I've always known that this was the music playing during this scene, but for whatever reason, I really connected with it this time. And it it just made me weep today while I was watching mm. it. It's so, it's such a beautiful song. And I I went and listened to it apart from watching the episode with it. And it's still just as chilling. Like, it, I, I mean, David Lynch is obviously a master and he put those things together on purpose. But yeah. you would think that it was written for what we're watching because it's so perfectly timed to everything that's going on. But yeah, I mean, I can't remember the exact amount, but it's it's just it's it's a piece that's only done with like string instruments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so to me, so many parts of it feels like what I call the horror strings, mm-hmm. but it has such a it has like a really compassionate undertone somehow I I, like I don't know how to better explain that but yeah it's and then I wanted to know what threnody meant so it's a wailing ode song hymn or poem of mourning composed or performed as a memorial to a dead person and even just looking that up that made me cry I was like this is so intense oh my god where's my napkin (laughs) right I mean I, I don't know. Maybe it's because of current world events as well. Like that could just yeah. be layering things on. But man, yeah. this yeah. is heavy. I, I think I've always just been like really, really focused on 
what are we looking at? Right. Forget the music. What are we looking at right now? But yeah. Well, what's interesting to me, too, is this time around, I specifically watched this scene with headphones because there's just, I feel like you pick up on some things that you just might not when you're yeah. viewing it through a television and it whatever. I just put everything away, cleared my mind, and I listened to the sounds. To all Yes, I did exactly as I was instructed. I listened to the sound and I specifically cleared my mind and focused on what I was viewing while I was hearing. And it it gave me so many feelings that, yeah. and it wasn't feelings of like, what am I? And when I say, what am I watching? Like the first time around, it wasn't a negative. What am I watching? No. It was just like, I've never seen anything like this yeah. before. Yeah. So this time around, Your brain's I chose... trying to compute so many fucking right. things at the same time. Yeah. Exactly. So this time around, I chose to not try, like, to view it through these other lenses. And I, I was surprised at the feelings that came up. I mean, obviously, I think just high level, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of confusion about everything that you're seeing. But we start to see, like, the smoke colors or like uh mm. but just listening to that on top of some of the times where you hear a little more like a bass sound and but you get the pops of colors and for me that reminded me of fireworks and it it gave me this weird feeling of like things are so heavy but like in the midst of a lot of heavy shit there's little pops of beauty yeah if you're able to pick them out yeah and this might be me really getting meta and really out into left field but like this shit is life-changing if you if you open your mind up enough to let it happen. 100 fucking thousand percent yes and and i don't want to disparage people that don't enjoy this. There's nothing wrong with that. It's I not don't, for everybody. It is not very everybody. much not for everybody. Yeah, that's okay. I don't know. Like, I don't even know if this was David Lynch's um, thought process on this, but even like the question of humanity and the question of mm -hmm. man-made type things and the destruction we bring on, but there's still hope like in those moments of color and things right. like that. I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I don't want to get too wild up in here, well, but I feel like it took me on this like acid trip in some weird way. And it was so nice. Can you even fucking imagine being? No, I don't want to. I mean, the most <laughs> I've ever been is like when we got the TV and we watched it, we took some edibles and watched it. And that was a trip enough. Like just, yeah. just yeah. like pure Jerry Horn THC running through our veins, you know? <laughs> I love what you say about finding the hope within or or like the the signs of beauty within all of this darkness, because when we get to that certain point as we're moving more through the smoke rather than the smoke kind of billowing towards us, what I saw was a birth canal of sorts. Yeah. And so to me, yeah. that was like, OK, I mean, something is being birthed. It might not be the best thing that's being birthed, but typically birth is like a sign of hope, like life, you know? And yep. I think there's obviously bigger themes within this episode of death and rebirth and cycles and all of that uh -huh. kind of stuff. So that feels kind of similar to me. Yeah, for sure. The only other thing I want to say about as we're moving through the smoke, well, and also I guess there's parts where it could still be the smoke. It could still be like particles of ash maybe, but it reminds me of non-existent. Absolutely. Like I think non-existent is 
a space that exists within this evil smoke or whatever. But also maybe we're seeing the bugs that are like the eggs or the bugs. We're definitely seeing the eggs. Definitely. Because there's even those sounds of like kind of buzzing, but it maybe it's more of an electrical buzz. But yeah. Well, at a convenience store, we see smoke, light, a gaggle of sooty folks milling about, all in a very glitchy sort of record scratching way. Listen, that was yeah. the best I could come up with. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, that's that's pretty much what it is. I love that you yeah. call them a gaggle. These men have never been called a gaggle of anything. That's a gaggle. That's a gaggle. That's a gaggle. I like it. <laughs> The only way I really describe it as well is like lights flickering on and on or like right. a stop motion. Like it's just, it's kind of similar to the movement in the Mauve Zone in part three. But Absolutely. But like more? More amplified. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's because there's more people moving and we're also getting smoke and lights. And so it's not just like Nido and Cooper trying to move in a glitchy way. Like it's a lot, there's a lot more elements there, but... So we do see some smoke drifting in at the convenience store, like outside yes. by the gas pumps. And I wondered if you thought like, is that the is that the smoke from the bomb that is like bringing these spirits to this place? Like, is that Absolutely. how they're getting there? Like, I mean, that's what I thought. OK, yeah. yeah. I, I say this in my notes later on, but it's just funny that we're talking about birthing and we're talking about all this. Yeah. But it's like, th- whatever this done births on full ground sooty men. Yeah, that would be painful. They don't come out of a sooty birth canal, everybody, Mm -mm. okay? They come out of a chimney. Of course, this is why they're sooty. Yeah, duh. Okay, thanks. Thanks for coming, Jasmine. Thanks for coming to the fucking show. Welcome. Everyone's been waiting since 2017. Okay. (laughs) You are foolish. Well, in what looks like a vomit cloud, we experience the birth of Bob, whoa, child, not her birth in like a full, like middle-aged scallywag denim right wearing, out like of the, I'm talking about right out of the coop shoot, man, just scallywag central. And it doesn't do him any favors to be born <laughs> as a fully grown man because he doesn't even know how to chew gum. That's what I'm saying. The man can't chew gum and walk at the same time. He's just been walking this whole time. Ooh, okay? <laughs> he barely walks, though. He dances everywhere. That is That's one thing true. he's fine at. Yeah, he's a pretty good I, dancer. You're right. Let's talk about this entity, though, because it's very similar to what we saw in the glass box, though I think yeah. there are some key differences here. The thing that we see in part eight has little horns. Yes. And its head, if you want to call it that, is really very similar to the drawing that was on the playing card that Mr. She, Mr. She, Mr. Mr. She, she. <laughs> Mr. C shows to Daria. Uh, the one in the glass box has like really sunken in eyes. Yes. Uh, it's like very black where typical eyes would be. Mm-hmm. And that started like that made me think about Nido and how that is connected somehow. And I, I don't know, but uh, and then I think probably most importantly is the way that it's credited because the credits seem to give away certain things, I think, before we're realizing them in the show. But for part one, the actress is credited as experiment model. And in part eight, it's, she's credited as just experiment. Yeah. So to me, that's like whatever shows up in part one is 
a recreation? Or an evolution. Okay, yeah. Like, maybe this was the original prototype, and when what we got in part one was over how much ever time has really, you know, transpired yeah. since this. It's a, it's the evolution of, yeah, like, new models. <laughs> I don't want to say new model, because I don't think it's, it's a, a new, new model. model. <laughs> I feel like it, it, to me, it really looks like a haggard yeah. portrait of this entity. Even though we're saying it's an evolution of it, but it's mm-hmm. the time warped yes. like uh, evolution of whatever this original entity is. Yeah, and it's I mean just with the theme of doublings in Twin Peaks, I mean, yeah, they might not be connected at all and just be echoes of one another. Oh, and I did want to note that its arms are backwards. So again, Sometimes here's the change from back. my pocket, but you know, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) After we see this like vomit of the Bob orb and all the eggs and stuff, we kind of like cut back to the smoke from the bomb. And I think it's then that I realized that what I might have thought before was like smoke particles is probably these eggs. And I feel like in that moment, we're being told to connect these two Mm -hmm. things. Like whatever is being vomited from this entity's mouth is akin to the smoke from the bomb. Um, I am going to Google something real quick. So nuclear means relating to the nuclei of atoms or to the mm-hmm. energy released when these nuclei are split or combined. I find it interesting that we're also talking about energy, electricity, uh, grounding, all of these things. So it's very interesting that this was birthed out of an energy bomb or that type of situation. Because, I mean, it it says right here is when when they're split or combined. So it's like this thing is vomiting out and splitting and sending evil or whatever you want to call this. Right, yeah, yeah splitting itself in this nuclear way out into the universe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Now entering the serene mob zone, we catch up with Senorita Dido and Fireman, where they work their magic to create a golden counterpart to Bob, Lara. So now you're entering from all of this chaos into this very serene mob zone. Like to me, mm-hmm. this is so calming. And I think we've talked very about calming. this. Like, it's the ocean. It's the way that we kind of go out over the ocean up to the tower that's like in the mob mm-hmm. zone. And it, and then when you cut to it being black and white in there, okay, I mean, chef's kiss, mm-hmm. I'm telling you. like, And can we talk about like beachfront property that this place, I mean, I guess Sando. there's no beach, but it's still a waterfront property. I Girl. mean- Lots of stairs, but great for exercise. Like you're going to get into shape. There might not be a lot of natural light because there is only the one window, but think of the privacy. That's what I'm thinking about. Inside of this beautiful mansion, their flooring very much reminds me of the way that Jupiter looks. So we've got like, you know, the Saturn uh, lamp happening in the red room. The talk about Saturn and Jupiter aligning for, you know, doors to be opening. Don't know what it means, but there you go. (laughs) I love it. One thing I will say, though, is it's very serene up until I likened this sound of this bell thing 
to a fire alarm, mm-hmm. which I found very interesting because I was like, well, the fireman is the one that goes over and shuts it off. But it really literally sounded like a muffled like fire alarm that you would have like a drill at school. You know, it would be that sound. And yeah. I thought to myself, how perfect. Not only is it the fireman, but that what's happening in this other space where we have this yes. nuclear bomb is fire. Mm-hmm. Is And fire is a huge theme already within this yeah. universe. Yeah. And I mean, can we just talk about how the fireman is like, all right, fuck this. Listen, like, both of them are kind of over it. Like, I, I, yeah, I can, I feel like I see a moral on the fireman. That I, I, yeah. I feel like Senorita Dido is probably just like the very like, okay, we're going to have to do it again. But I think the fireman is like, I'm fucking done this guy. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's irritated. How many times I got to tell you? Please remember Richard and Linda. <laughs> it's happening again. This time around, Senorita Dido, her kind of facial expressions, her outfit very much reminded me of like a old Hollywood, which I then connected to the pink ladies that we saw at the casino scene. And they're they're kind of just smiling and chilling and being, you know, going along with events no matter what's going on. And I think Senorita Dido definitely plays more of an active role here than they did in that scene. But there was definitely a connection there. Yeah, for sure. And then obviously we talk about the tech that uh, the VIP room has, because let me tell you, it reminded me, uh, and perhaps it's because at this moment in this movie, this was in black and white, but it really kind of gave me a lot of Wizard of Oz vibes when Dorothy meets up with um, the roadside attraction guy. This kind of reminded me of that, like the technology that the fireman has where he's like, well, I'm going over here and check out what's happening. And he, you know, he sees everything and, and it's just like, all right, well, we're doing this again. Let me just, uh, let me float on up. You know what? I wrote my notes. He just pulls an old Dua Lipa and he just, I'm levitating. That's it. I want you, baby. I'm <laughs> levitating. <laughs> Put it on the mix. But I'm telling you, like, how you talked about some scenes made you weep and feel a certain way. Like, this time around, I don't know why it hit me like this. I fucking cried so much at, from the moment the gold starts like coming out of, of his head mm-hmm. to when uh Senorita Dido kisses, cause mm. you know, he forms the gold ball, which is Lauren, then they send it through I called it a bank teller uh shoot, sure. but they sent it on down, you know, to Earth. I cried through that whole thing because it was just so fucking beautiful. Yeah. Because I thought to myself, Everything we just saw, this evil entity spit up, barf up Bob and all these eggs and all this gross shit. And then we've got this just very serene entity itself, which is the fun. And he's he's what can create good. And it's Laura. And there's just something about the way the gold looks on the black and white. It was Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. fucking beautiful, man. I mean... I cry. I cried so much. And I just was like, what is wrong with you? And I, it no. touched me, man. It touched me. It hits me when when you see that it's Laura inside there. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's something about it being her face in there that just like hits me in the gut every time. And you know what? I know I said earlier, jokingly, that, you know, she all barfed up, you know, Bob full grown. It's just funny that both of them were created. Um. 
in the likeness that we're presented them as when uh, when we get into like the pilot episode of Twin Peaks. So it's like Laura's always going to look this way because that's like we die. Like that's right. That's it's yeah, you know what it's I mean. That homecoming picture, right? Yeah. And so that's crazy cool to me too that it's not like a little baby picture of Laura. Or it's not like Laura right. twenty five years later. It's like that mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Laura that you know gives herself up to to try to defeat the bad or whatever yes yeah yes i mean it definitely makes me think more about the loops in this show because of these kind of frozen in time figures and i i wonder how much of that was conscious and how much of that was like well we really only have images of frank silva now unfortunately right like we can't even have a 25 years later Bob but maybe even if they did because you know there's a 25 years later Cheryl Lee in part one and part two part two part one beginning of the return whatever get off yeah get off one, yeah. I don't remember everything <laughs> um but they couldn't do that with Frank Silva so but yeah way more powerful True. to have them be those at that age well 11 years ahead of the bomb Evil eggs hatch and sooty people roam the ground. And like a bad open mic night for poetry, we all need a light <laughs> and some Tylenol. Woo-wee. <laughs> yeah. It's like, how can you say this is wild when we just watched all that we did? But I'm like, no, this is wild on a whole nother level. <laughs> like, Well, this episode takes you to so many different places. And I don't think it ever... Yeah, we talked about there's a little bit of like this serenity and calmness within the mauve zone but you're still kind of on your toes like what the fuck is going on what is the giant making what is he sending to oh my god laura's face is in there before that we're going through the smoke of an atomic bomb mr c is shot that the night like you never really know where you're going next in this episode and there's no time to really like sink into what's happening either i think that comes on you know multiple rewatches because Mm -hmm. you know what's happening so you can finally like be present with a certain moment But yeah, this is so weird. Like, why are we in 1956? Why are we following this little girl and little boy? What's with the eggs that are hatching? Like, there's so many. And then skull crushing. Okay. Yeah. What's the significance also? Because we're in 1956. But why? Like, we also have a specific date, like August 5th, which is, I mean, when we were in 1945, it was July 16th. So I'm like, Mm mm-hmm. It just, it, I always want to know the significance of these dates right here. Well, why like, not just tell us 56, you know? Right. Like, like why is it August 5th? Like, did, and, I mean, we're still in New Mexico, which makes sense because that's where the mm-hmm. bomb went off. But yeah, I don't or, know. You know, even if you wanted to set us in summertime, why not just summer 1956 or August 1956? Yeah. It is yeah. super interesting. The only thing that I looked up was I wanted to know what phase the moon was in on August 5th, 1956, because we see a full moon. Yeah. And I thought, okay, let me just let me just fuck around and find out. Uh-oh. It is actually not a full moon. It was not a full moon. It It's kind of the opposite, in fact. Like, it was the day before the new moon. So two weeks away from that specific part of the cycle, which then that made the specificity of the date even more interesting to me because it's so easy to look that up. It's so easy nowadays to just 
what was the moon doing on this day? Where was it? What was yeah. going on? So to me, it fully gives credibility now to my idea that astrology maybe works differently in Twin Peaks mm-hmm. um, or that this is not happening in any universe that is our own. Right. I would say that's what it is for sure. Yeah. Listen, that whatever this vomit egg is, uh, listen, mm-hmm. I think you and I, this might be one of the only times we disagree on this fucking thing that pops out. Yeah. I wrote in my notes, a gross salamander frog with wings, like a roach yes. frog salamander. You nasty. I'm uh-huh. sorry to all the bugs out there. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, we probably just lost all of our bug listeners. I'm so sorry, bugs. So that is unfortunate. We did just lose an entire population of our listeners, but <laughs> maybe I can redeem you. you. Like, I think this bug is cute. I think it has some cool scenes. I don't think this bug is real, but I wish it was because it looks fucking cool. I think it looks great. I mean, the gross part for me is when it first hatches and you look, you see inside and it doesn't look real. Like it looks very CGI, but but not in like a, oh my God, you can tell that CGI is from like the 90s or whatever. Like it's not right. bad in that way. I think it's meant to elicit like a specific response. And then all of a sudden- it has this like tangibility to it. And it was just really reminded, like it felt gross. It made me feel gross to see that transition, but it was also reminding me of like all the flickering in and out of existence that the woodsmen are doing, or even just the smoke and like that whole vibe of things. Like sometimes yeah. they're translucent, sometimes they're fully formed. It all felt of a piece to me. Yeah, very good point. I mean, it's another birthing process. For sure. I don't know who the daddy of this thing is, but uh yeah nasty it is, uh, it is anyway. nasty i just also find it cute but yeah whatever, I, I, whatever. Know, I know i know i'm just picking um i do love that we just start to just see this honestly it's just a random young couple yeah right like walking home from from a dance i know we had a really really interesting conversation with jeremiah from take the ring when he was on about coins and I know that these were different coins from the Mm. other parts Uh and then, you know, but just the fact that she's like, oh, a penny, pick it up, you know? And immediately I was like, not a coin. You put that thing down right now. Coins are bad luck. Coins are not good in Mm -mm. Twin Peaks. Okay. No, (laughs) I think it was very important. I think the fact that they're passing by what looks to be a very convenient store ish type place, the coin Mm -hmm. is there. We the camera lingers on the face of the coin for just a moment longer than you might think it would. So there's something about that that's important. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, just like we say, time in Twin Peaks. I guess money in Twin Peaks too, or Uh-oh. currency in Twin Peaks. Currency in Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> Not this. <laughs> um, and then this woodsman just fucking floats down from the clouds. Yes. On, so on our Patreon hangout, Ivy, Agent Ivy, likened it to the way that an alien would like beam down, which yeah. I thought was so fantastic. Now, I likened it to looking like Freddy Krueger just popping up like out of a dream. Like sure. he was just floating down. Sure. Like Freddy yeah. yeah. The, the movements and everything were very interesting, especially how we saw the woodsman that disappeared out of the jail cell. You know, it's like they obviously mm-hmm. can float around i don't know but sure uh, so that's their preferred and, method of travel yeah so they they are floaters okay <laughs> like on their on their phones they have like for 
travel time. They have bus, walk, float. <laughs> Float's always the fastest. I mean, so I don't know yeah. why they're bothering. It's like, no, nah, man, a walk is five minutes. A float is 25 seconds. I'm floating today. Okay. Mm-mm. No competition. <laughs> no competition. I mean, if anything, it just makes them all the more creepy because nobody absolutely nothing nothing of this world can float like that i mean unless you're a fucking paper a slip of paper floating out a window but that's not human like no no definitely not um and i mean look just for god's sake somebody give this motherfucker a light okay because listen i've not been in this situation obviously i've never had a woodsman sooty man figure float from the sky and ask me for a light but i'm here to tell you right now people that uh i would be like here you go and have all the lights Actually, take, take my here. And I know cars back then had cigarette lighters. You could just exactly. pop that thing mm-hmm. right in, lit that man smoke, and let him be on his way. Okay? That's correct. Mm-hmm. Because nothing good came out of everybody like uh, denying this man a light. Okay, this guy is so low on nicotine, and ah! I mean, just the the this should be enough for cigarette companies to say what we're doing is wrong. Because look at people on withdrawal. They're crushing skulls. They're crushing skulls. They are killing people out in these streets. What more do we have to show you? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think in all seriousness, whenever the woodsman approaches somebody, I think somehow people are... Scrambled. Stunned. Yes. Scrambled, stunned, paralyzed with fear. At the live stream, I did say, like, why isn't Ray's first impulse to get the fuck out of there when he sees this happening but i do think there's something that overcomes people when they come into contact like maybe their frequency is so much different than ours that it like you just said scrambles us somehow and like our brains don't work properly you know what i just thought of when we had that scene when there was everything was like the earthquake in the lodge and the frequency mr c's car Yes. Like how all of that, like that's, that's what I'm probably, it felt very like, I would imagine that their brains are like almost frying. Like they have a high fever or something. Also, like whenever we see the woodsman interacting, when the camera's on the woodsman, things are moving normally. When the camera's on the humans, it's glitchy. Very Hmm. much so. Interesting. Uh, I did put that this is like the night of the living dead because, I mean, these things are roaming around because, I mean, this yeah. car that we do see this specific interaction with, I think that we've affectionately called him Abe because he looks like yes. Abraham Lincoln. But it felt ve- because there's another car that's being accosted on the other yes. side of the road. I never noticed that. Yeah. And it's a different. But if you look out, I mean, they're just fucking zombie yeah. around like and I just was yeah. like, ah, this is like. <laughs> Night of the Living Dead, okay? This is a thriller, Michael Jackson video. <laughs> like, yes, totally. <laughs> well, and I think that's so important to bring up too because just because that's the interaction we saw, it's not the only one happening. Right. So that couple is not special in any way. Right, yeah. Now, I, and I just wrote, like, innocence of this couple. It's very uh, sweet, but it also feels very, I don't want to say ominous, but it felt, Very Mm -hmm. strange. And I think it's because you get the feeling that they maybe don't know each other that well, but do in some way. But then also, like, the young lady kind of knows where the young man lives, but he's kind of like, how do you know that? So it gave me a lot of thoughts about, like, okay, so 
if y'all went to school together and knew each other, this doesn't look like mm-hmm. a big town that you're in. It looks like a pretty, like, small, right. like, country-ish town. So it would seem to me like you kind of might know where people live here. Yeah. So I don't know. The interaction was just very weird. So I think they must know a little bit about each other and... Just because the girl knows more doesn't necessarily mean anything. I mean, women That's tend true. to be more observant than men I in general. Mean, say it louder for the people in the back. But I think the awkwardness comes from them being kids. Young. Yeah. Trying to have this love story that, like, you're too young for. But it's cute. It is. And then, I mean, the next thing I wrote was consent is sexy, people, because um, he very much so, he asks for permission. She was like, I don't know, though. <laughs> Listen, I don't know. Okay. I'm not impressed mm-hmm. by this walk home. Then she obviously says, oh, all right. Which, you know, that's cute, too. But I just found it funny that at first she was like, no, no, nah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about kissing yet. I still think it's kind of yucky. I mean, I don't know. Do you have your cootie shot? Circle, circle, dot, dot. <laughs> circle, circle, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> no, you want circle, circle, knife, knife, because now you got that shot for life, okay? <laughs> you don't want to be going back for boosters. <laughs> I have never. This is really? wonderful. Oh, my God. No, honey. Ugh. Girl, we, we were on that. the playground. Mm-hmm. No, we were on the playground. You circle, circle, dot, dot. Now I got my cootie shot. And that was like the sickest burn back in the day, Okay. <laughs> Well, I don't think I learned it until like, uh, I don't know, I'm thinking like grade four, grade five, like it was definitely later on. And then once we got that circle, circle, knife, knife, like, oh, we were safe. We felt very good. Our <laughs> no chances were much for better. Yeah. And honestly, at this point, I'm glad because I'm getting enough fucking COVID boosters. I don't need that cootie booster. So I ain't had a cootie booster in a long time. And I, right. I don't know. <laughs> That might be what's well, wrong with the world today. Though. You're married. You, no. You need less and less cootie booster. Hey, that might be what's wrong with the cootie world today. Booster. If everybody got their cootie shots regularly, we might be in a better place. I'm just putting it out oh there. Oh my God. What if cootie boosters was real? <laughs> or what if cootie boosters was like a vag? That's what I'm thinking. I can't, I can't with cootie booster. It's the <laughs> stupidest name. It's so cootie. stupid. Your cooties. Oh, my God. Mm -mm. Okay. It's so hilarious that out of this scene, we're like, not the cootie shot. Damn. We've been through some heavy conversation. We can can lighten up a bit. Well, go ahead and give yourself circle, circle, knife, knife. Okay. Circle, school. Knife, knife. knife. Now I'm cootie free for life. Yes. Okay. You heard it here first. I mean, listen. Probably not, though. But I probably picked up a cootie or two, so I might yeah. be a little late on this vaccine. But uh. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it does not fully. Um, you're not fully like uh, you know immune to it. But I love the whole visual of just kids lighting up at school at the nurse's office, be like, "Get in here and get your cootie shot." It's just her uh, finger, <laughs> circle, yeah. circle, nice, it's just, nice. It's nothing real. It's like do, 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 do. All right, you're done. Get, <laughs> but get, she get, wears get. she wears a glove for glove. each kid, though. She's got to change the glove because, come on, cooties. Absolutely. Whew. Okay. The woodsman then finds a radio station that obviously reaches the entire town, which, you know, uh, you have to think about, because it's funny. I, at first I was like, what? Because the, the days that we grew up, for so many radio stations, right? Like different genres, whatever. It's just funny that right. literally back in this time, though, because this radio was was the thing, and it was like you had yeah. your one radio broadcast. That's how you got 
you either got songs, you got a news segment, you got, you know what I'm saying? So it's just totally. Well, it's so interesting to think that today, like in 2021, this would not work. Girl, we in 2022. Okay, well, whatever. Whatever the fuck year we're in. <laughs> now what you going this? back. Please don't go back. We are trying to go forward, baby. We are trying to go forward. <laughs> well, I almost said 2017. No! So. Actually, let's go back to 2017. <laughs> well, in this year of our Lord Beyonce 2017, there you if go. the Woodsman was trying to do this radio uh, address, it wouldn't work, though, because we'd all be listening to podcasts or, like, different radio stations. So yeah. I love the con- yeah. the contrast there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Wizard of Oz, I thought it looked a lot like Wizard of Oz as the woodsman was looking towards the radio station. It was almost like Dorothy and Co. looking towards the Emerald City. Yeah, so good. What I like about, I well, I say like, but what I find interesting, I should say, mm-hmm. is the difference in reactions between our operator because it's almost like when this woodsman walks in, she is very drawn to him. Like, even if you look at the the yeah. look she has on her face, I'm not saying it's, like, lustful, but it looks very, like, amazed or very... Like, I don't get a scared feeling from her. I get a feeling of, like, this woodsman is drawing her over, but not in mm-hmm. a fearful way. Like, we've seen with the couple in the car. Uh, but then, of course, he smashes her head in. When he gets into the DJ booth, I know it takes a little bit longer to smash this guy's head in, but the way that he reacts to the woodsman is just so totally different. I don't know if it's an element of surprise because, but it still would have been that way, I think, walking into a desolate radio station in the middle of nowhere for old gal at the front, too. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely different reactions, although both of them are... Well, the guy in the chair doesn't really have much of a choice but to not move. But again, I feel like there's that sense of being unable to look away or move away. Yeah. And with mm-hmm. the receptionist's case, like, move towards, she, in fact. She went right to it. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I'll be your so, light, baby. Oh, I got your light right here, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your cootie. The cootie shot hadn't been invented yet. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. That was years, years to come. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, splitting skulls, he takes over the station. And I mean, when I tell you, listen, I love the poem, but I'm not going to lie. After so much, I was like, this is kind of hurting my ears. And I think that's the point. Yeah. But it was just like, because it, it did get more and more aggressive. Like, oh, yeah. And it, yeah, it just gets progressively more aggressive. But also, you know, he's really like squeezing that man's fucking head to death. Oof. The sounds of that. It Ew. did remind me a little bit of cracking an egg. Mm-hmm. But the blood gushing is much, much different. And splattering. Um, ooh, the splatter. <laughs> it's so great, though. I ooh. mean, when when Twin Peaks, you know, dives into the horror genre, it dives right in and it's uh-huh. so great. The poem, for the first time, it made me think, and I. it's probably because we were likening the opening scene pretty much the opening scene with the dirt and the blood to be like very ritualistic. This feels totally like a spell to me. Exactly. Because everybody just passes out, goes to sleep. And then this, listen, this bug fucking jumps. Okay. Let me, this is a high jumper. This thing should be in the Olympics. Okay. This, this thing did This bug is fucking cool. No, it's gross. <laughs> it hopped all the way up into that window. This is horror to me. It's like on the lines of arachnophobia and tremors. 
Ooh. in my opinion. Okay. Okay. I don't like scary books, but that's fair. And also, I don't think I noticed this until this time around, but the little girl's mouth, mm-hmm. she doesn't open it on her own. It literally just, it's like it, puppeted it's like yeah yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know how it's to describe the spell. it it's the spell yeah. yeah uh because like my first time through i thought she, she's under the spell and she opens her mouth but i mean this of uh, this next time around i was like no 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 like mm-hmm. something is visibly like stretching her mouth beyond what it's it, mechanical not human yeah 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 and I, I think that's why I like the bug stuff so much because of that visual specifically and the bug crawling in and then the last little leg that kind of kicks as it goes in. I mean, I would just love to know what it was like to be the little girl. Like, what did they tell her? How did she go through those motions? Like, I don't know. I don't know how much of it is just done post like right, all in right, editing right. all cgi or what like i don't i just don't know but it looks fucking awesome listen i'm tell you another thing this gave me vibes of which this came way after twin peaks obviously but season two castle rock when we had those bugs that uh oh yeah were getting into people but were turning those them were into that was, well, yeah that was disgusting but mm-hmm. it was doing the same thing that was like planting another entity or an evil like inside of these people and so yeah this whole imagery of like uh because you and i have talked about like personal invasion that type of thing like this is very much that right because she's not consenting to eating this bug at all i mean she's in a very twilight like sleep and and it's entering Mm -hmm. okay love the fact that we roll credits on a horse whinnying Mm -hmm. like It's a great ending and it gave me a new, well, that coupled with the poem gave me a new idea, I guess, of like how to interpret the white horse maybe, but it does kind of hinge on, well, let's think about where we've seen the white horse before. It's specifically with Sarah Palmer, right? Right, in the Palmer, yes. Yes, and so this- And with Bob around, because- The horse showed up it's around when before, Maddie was... Yes. And it's yeah. also in Fire Walk with me before right. shit goes down with Laura. Yeah. So this poem, this is the water and this is the well, drink full and descend. Likening that kind of to well water as being a source of life. Take this bug in. That's bringing you a new life, maybe. Uh, the horse is the white of the eyes and the dark within. The white horse is now your guide. The white horse is now some sort of talisman for you again but that's it's not dark fu- yes and the dark within yes right so it's not evil fully formed but oh oh big time yes yeah so good just such a great piece of art it's i, I, I don't even consider i just consider it art yeah you know same. i mean yeah i guess you can yeah you would consider it's an art form anything creative but this was just uh, it's yeah, different like though. You, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're just visually like inside an art gallery of someone's mind in some ways. Mm, yes. I like that. Well, do we have any suggestions for who we should dedicate this episode to? <gasps> the only people that died were the people in the radio station. So I mean, my first thought mm, was. Yeah. Yeah. Was to dedicate it to our to our friends at the radio station. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fine with that. Yeah. For me, I dedicate it to several 
pairs of pants had to go through during the Nine Inch Nails um, sure. interlude. Sure. There's a place for them there. It, I was going to say all those we've lost to cooties. Oh, you know what? This is a shout out to all of our following cootie friends. You We're know, so sorry you didn't have the knife knife technology. We weren't as advanced as Kanata, as I as I used to yes. affectionately mm-hmm. call them. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have the technologies. We were just a small little town in in the rural south, and unfortunately, yeah. we only got the dots. We didn't get the knives. So, and I'm all disgusted of- to learn this because looking back, it's like where was the government? Where were you? You were protecting us with the knife. You were just giving us dots. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Okay. Well, if you enjoyed that episode, if you liked all that fucking nonsense, thank you. You're our people, really and truly. And if you did, won't you please rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform? Dangle and sprinkle those stars, please, and thank you. You could, if you want to call them bugs, you want to call them hash the mags for us. We like okay. five of them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Do if that. you want to go to a radio station, grab the announcer by the. Don't do that. I'm no, just kidding. No, Go no, to the no, radio no. station. Shout out your love for us. That's fine. But just ask politely to do it. <laughs> I was about to say, just go on and grab that fave pod platform and yes. and, and and imprint those uh, those stars. And, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There we go. There, there you there go. go. Yeah. Also, as we've mentioned uh, several times during this pod, it was such fun to recap or not recap, but watch this live. Yeah. With our patrons. It awesome. was amazing. The conversation was just lively, to say the least. If you would like to be a part of that, you can find us over at patreon.com slash TV. Uh, we do, obviously, live streams, but we do bonus content. We um, have some, you know, a little swag that we send out here and there. So, you know, hit us up over there. There's three wonderful tiers to, to choose from. And, um... Yeah, we'd love to have y'all over there as well. Yeah. If you're not interested in the Patreon, totally cool, totally understand. You can come and hang out with us on Instagram. We're always around there. So find us at Damn Fine TV. You can also check me out if you want. I did mention last time I have beauty tips. If you need to know how to do mascara, I mean, if you need to do it, forget it. You can find me at Damn Fine Witch. She's got a very innovative, smoky eye. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm just old crazy. I, I'm just an old crazy animal nut over at Superficial Males. So you know what? We love it. Come hang yeah. out with us. Sure. Do it if you dare. Whatever, man. We'll- oh, we dare you. <laughs> yeah. Truth or dare? Dare we dare you? Are, are you into cooties? Come check us out mm, on Instagram. Mm. <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> okay. Well, have you been affected? <laughs> Hold on. Have Have you been a victim of cooties? Have you or your loved you- one been affected by cooties? <laughs> Call us. <laughs> Hit us up on the in, on the socials. You could be entitled to be part of a class action lawsuit against the Canadian government who was not helping small towns in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> I love okay. it. Okay. Well, right. we're going to head into the spoiler slash connection section for what I'm sure is more insanity. Uh, <laughs> for anybody not joining us, thank you so much for listening. And we will see you soon for part nine. Yes, bye-bye. Oh, tell me the words that I'm longing to know. And we're back 
in the spoiler slash connection section. Bzzz. I feel like we've we we we've talked about uh Judy really. That was a great conversation with talking backwards and sure. um Jeremiah from Take the Ring. Um we talked a lot about the things that happened in this particular episode, who the liberal like are are we supposed to believe that that is Sarah Palmer and she the the evil of Judy is inside of her now that she's ingested this bug. I think there's a lot of evidence that would suggest that's what that is meant to represent. But I feel like there's a lot of evidence that that can also lean the other way and say that's not Sarah Palmer. Uh, I mean, there's obviously in books that are out there that give Sarah Palmer a very different uh, a backstory. Mm-hmm. So I find all of that interesting. The things that I thought about during that part of the episode with why do I think this is Sarah Palmer we touched a little bit on this but like that that intuitive uh we saw this at the end of season two where she comes in and tells right you know Major Briggs and and then also the she sees the horse and um Mm -hmm. there's weird like instances like she sees Bob also yeah uh whatever the ceiling fan is meant to represent to there's a lot of i think supporting evidence to 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 say that this could be where it begins with her um it just gets i just think that it's i don't know if it's really meant to actually let me rephrase that it's not it's never laid out for you so it's never meant i think for you to really know I'd love to hear people's thoughts and theories on that. But I will tell you this time through, it just got a little harder for me to maybe be so convinced that that's Sarah. Yeah. Or was this just the birthplace, meaning where the atomic bomb happened? This was where evil just, we saw all these non-existent, we're calling them eggs, non-existent, like floating out there. So perhaps we're just meant to see this is how it could have happened across you know, the universe or whatever, but this is how people got inf- mm, infested mm-hmm. with this spiritual entity of evil. Mm. I don't know. Well, I, I'm happy to talk about Sarah because that's definitely some stuff in my spoiler notes here. So I, I agree. I think there's evidence within the show that can support the idea that Ju- Sarah is Judy, Judy is in Sarah, whatever. What I think really irritates me about this theory is partly the fault of Mark Frost for putting certain details into the final dossier. It kind of like, for me, goes against everything Twin Peaks is about to be like, Sarah Judith Novak was born in whites or New Mexico, whatever. I can't actually remember the exact place, but gave us a birth time, gave us a birthplace that would line it all up. And right. so, and the fact that the middle name is Judith, which I think is the most ridiculous fucking thing. I think that's <laughs> so dumb. Like, is my name Jasmine Podcaster George? No, like, that's just not <laughs> how it fucking works. It, sorry, but that's irritating to me. It's fine. It's really not a big deal. It doesn't make me hate anything to do with Twin Peaks. The conclusion I kind of came to this time watching was, okay. This girl doesn't look anything like Sarah Palmer to me, first of all, like no. zero resemblance for me. But we talked about the fact that there was the one car that we actually see the interaction, but there's clearly another car on the other side of the road. 
So just because we're seeing what's happening with this little girl doesn't mean that that's Sarah, but Sarah could be halfway across town, the same thing's happening to her, but we're not seeing that story. Exactly. And that's what I meant by we're given certain evidence, like what we learn in the final dossier, but I don't feel like that pinpoints to this specific character in part eight actually being who we know as Sarah Palmer. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that it sets up that this is out there, uh, the origin of it, but that this is out there amongst not just what we are seeing in Twin Peaks. And this is evident, I think, when we get further down the road and we take our little trip to Texas and we right. see all the weird shit that's going on in Texas. Right. You, you know what I mean? So yes. it's kind of like, I, I truly think it is meant to show the, the origin or whatever in this specific story of evil and Judy and whatnot. But I just don't think that I, I believe it's Sarah anymore in particular. And I mean, at this point, okay, there's no disputing that these eggs and bugs came from the smoke in this bomb or from this entity, which I think are two of the same things. So there's something wrong with them the woodsmen are putting these people to sleep so that they can inhabit these human people but that also and so this little girl could be sarah but that also doesn't mean that that bug equals judy it's evil sure but why does it then exactly mean that it's judy right right and i yeah that's another thing i i think it's very important to think of it in a way of this being a product of what we're assuming is Judy, the experiment or whatever she's credited as. Yeah. But that bug is not Judy. It it is an extension. It is a product. It is something that was created. I think it's a, I I think it is a correlation. I think that it is a, there's a tie to it, but no, Judy is Judy. She is an evil entity that is able to create Yes. The chaos that is sent out into the world. So Now, maybe this little girl having the bug inside of her, if we're to assume it's Sarah or Sarah also had a similar experience, that perhaps marked her as a possible vessel later on for Judy. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of conversation around that, I think, that uh, especially when we see Sarah later on, um, I mean, she could have had this experience, but now she's surrendered to this thing or whatever. And that's who we have now. Do you, does that make sense? What I'm saying there? Like she lost yeah. Laura, she lost Bob. And now yeah. she doesn't have anything else left. Right. So it's kind of like, you just surrender In yourself mind, to that. Yeah. Right. And the only other thing I wanted to say is that I know in an episode coming up, we see her take her face off and there right. is something behind her faceplate. Yes. It could be this bug, but it, has also at times reminded me of the nose on the mask that the jumping man wears. Yeah. And then even later, we're going to see Sarah Palmer's face superimposed on the jumping man. So to me, there's more of a connection there. Although the jumping man does jump like this weird bug kind of like, okay, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So, oh, super quick note, the translucence of the woodsman while they're healing Mr. C is not unlike Cooper's face in part 17 when he says we live inside a dream. Mm-hmm. Anything there? As Dave would say. 
I don't think I let my pause be long enough. I didn't set it up right. <laughs> I love that. The gold ball theme began with Dougie in the red room. We know that he was manufactured for a purpose. Oh, we're in the spoiler section. We know he was a Tulpa. Right. His essence was boiled down to a gold ball. We're going to see the same thing happen with Diane's Tulpa. Laura is being delivered in a gold ball. We also saw in part six, some sort of gold essence leave that little boy. Was the boy somehow a tulpa? Is the Laura that's being sent to earth a tulpa? We can't, I just, I don't think we can ignore the running theme of this all being gold. Was she the OG tulpa? Like perhaps, especially if we're thinking about tulpas in the sense of like thought forms being brought to life, we're watching the giant, the fireman. Think her out. <laughs> think think her, out. her out. Like those gold strands, like the map that he is building with his thoughts becomes the gold ball. Yeah. So is it the thoughts of all goodness or something? Like, and did Carl somehow manifest the little boy because he was looking for some joy or something? Oh, that's good. I mean, it's gold. Like, but, okay, <laughs> I like this. Now let me tell you what it just made me think of. Does the gold, oh, on the other side of that, does the gold somehow also represent, I want to say an innocence, but I don't feel like that's what I'm specifically looking for, but okay, good mm-hmm. in particular. And so when we see the gold essence of the little boy, is it is it because the essence of this child was just good? I mean, like, hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, that, I, I, that's just very interesting. I mean, it's something I to think on, I think, because. I mean, for sure. My only issue is I don't know how that connects with the Tulpas, but Laura, the Laura ball and the little boy could be their own thing. Right, right. I know that when we see the, we talked about this too in, in that scene, how Carl Rod was a just felt like a very calming force on the mother. Not that she dried up all of her tears and was all of a sudden like, oh, this tragic thing didn't just happen. Mm -hmm. But when you think about things being manufactured and then reactions to tragic situations or trauma or something like that, I mean, that really sends you on a thought process of, I mean, even Carl Rod being... I don't want to say manufacturer, but being an agent of good out there in some way. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Because he's in that, he's in that moment with the little boy whose gold essence is leaving the body that Carl can see. Yeah. I don't think anybody could see that, but Carl. No. And I like that. I like connecting the little boy and the Laura ball specifically because of that thread of, agent of goodness agent of purity whatever yeah yes yeah but definitely something we should keep our eyes on what else is gold does it connect to tulpas did did dougie somehow start off being more i guess you could say like dougie then had free will but what he was created from in a way he was like naive to that so there is an innocence there in a way like yeah, like, uh, well, you just said a, a naive type innocence. Like yeah. for him, I feel like the mischief that he's gotten into is a human mischief. Like, oops, I got 
caught up putting money on, you know, on some on you know, some bookies. Like, mm-hmm. you know, oops, I got, you know, tangled up in these types of real life. Um, yeah. Bad situations, but not a more spiritual uh, dire situation like we've seen with other characters. So, yeah, like is Dougie just. Does he just have enough thought process to be super naive to a lot of things and really fall into being a just a maybe a typical fuck up type thing? You know what I mean? Nature versus nurture. Exactly. Not that I think Janie E. nurtured him into being a fucking shitty husband, but you know. <laughs> no, but she's going to nurture Cooper later on. Ooh, about to, about wow, that okay, shit is wait. coming. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Bless her heart. She ain't never been laid like that in her life. And, and Cooper didn't do nothing but lay there and bounce. <laughs> yep. I mean, good for him, too. But yeah, that's all I've got. Well, if that's all for this week, uh, Jasmine and I have a ritual to get to. Did you remember the blood this time? Yep. I got the blood. I got the dirt. I got the evil spirit in an orb. And I got my dancing shoes on. So we are good to go. <laughs> Have you ever eaten moldy chocolate? The tardigrade? I'm Jasmine. Swear on Satan, I'll do that. Uh, That's my headcanon. Okay. Into it, into it, into it, into it. All of it. I'm Mel's. I love it. Dumb. Dumb, 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 dumb. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) And if you're watching TV. I love it. Make sure it's damn fine TV. This is amazing. That was awesome. Oh my God. Okay. Am I going down a weird path here? We're we're pretty far down the weird path. <laughs> I think it's okay. <laughs>